Right, we're going to start this now. You lose it. Right. You ready? Yep. <laughs> have you not got, what a, are we jing- have you not got a jingle to start it with? No, I, I edited that in the bit. Uh, I actually did on the last one. I edited it in. I put in a, a pre. I put the start bit of us bantering and then I put the jingle in. Did you? Yeah. I think you put more um, care and effort into the last one because you had a new co-host. Oh, and, Ollie Kenwood. And I, I was jealous. I know. I could, I could feel it through the airwaves that you were getting. Anyway. So, so much so, this is going to sound really petty, but so much so that, you know, all the retweets and e- yeah. retweets and stuff that go out about that podcast, yeah. I refuse to like them or retweet them. <laughs> You're such a <laughs> prat. <laughs> oh, anyway, should we get on with the podcast? We might as well we? be honest. Should we get on with it? Yes, do it. All right, then. Is it jingle time? Jingle time. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's uh, me, Justin Mullen, and uh, official co-host. Yes, now official, no longer back up and standing. The co-host, otherwise known as the donkey from Shrek. No, oh, you can't lead to that one yet. Yeah, I can. I'm straight in with it. Do we had, so right, for the listeners, we had some feedback. or somebody, one, one small one, piece of feedback, well, not, piece not feedback. general feedback. Somebody said that he sounded like donkey from Shrek, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. You agreed. Well, he's Scottish. He's not no, Shrek no, Scottish. Shrek Scottish. That's why I got confused. I went, only, I said, what do you mean? Does he, he sounds like, because he's Scottish. He went, no, no, Shrek's Scottish. He's just like the... The he's, annoying, he's godless, sidekick. idiotic sidekick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you see why I was slightly offended? I was going with the Scottish bit in my oh, head. Okay. I just thought you were like a Canadian doing a Scottish isn't accent. Scottish. He's American. He's not. He's Canadian. Okay. Mike Myers is Canadian. But he's, not, yeah, but, but he's not the donkey. He's not the donkey. Eddie no, Mike but he's Shrek. Donkey. <laughs> Anyway, so we move on? Anyway. Don't care. <laughs> what are we here to talk about, Justin? I don't today? know. You're, oh, yeah, here you go. So you've had a tantrum because you don't like and retweet anybody else who co-hosts. And also, this podcast is all about you because you said, I've got to have another data center one. Oh, sorry. We have to have another data center oh, one. Oh, no. If you remember. Don't care. When we did. <laughs> Stop that. When we did the last podcast with our two esteemed guests, who we'll get on to introducing in a moment. Um, they are here, honest. Yeah, there's, there are other people in the room. There are other people in the room. Um, we we were talking about uh, ACI and all the sort of changes in the data center, and the topic came up at that point. Stop, stop that. Uh, was <laughs> titration, and you admitted that there was a chance that titration might blow your mind. So we figured, what better topic for another data center focused podcast than titration? So so that's what we're doing today. Okay, we're doing it. And who have we got in the room, Justin? I don't know. You tell me. All right, you, you, you introduce them. Can I? Yeah, go on. Say, okay, what, what's your name? Where you come you're like, from? You're seasoned professionals they, they, This now. is their second even, podcast. They know this, what they're doing. This is, this is it. You, you they, know. Were some, uh, they were our, our last fiscal year's farewell podcast. Yeah. In mo- ne- nearly my farewell from Cisco as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> as a, as a, just at this point, and we, at this point, please do edit responsibly and carefully <laughs> and make sure that we don't have any little mishaps like the last time all right when you were driving to france panicking i wasn't driving to france i was in a motel at the side of the french motorway you were panicking though weren't you oh god i was yeah 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 so what happened was listeners we still haven't even reduced them yet oh, okay. but, it's fine. so we we did the last aci podcast and Jochen was putting me under too much pressure uh to get get it out on me? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, to get out on time. So I quickly did all the editing, da, 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 published it, but I published the unedited version, which was slightly more uh, entertaining. It was a bit of blue. A bit of blue. A bit of blue. As, as in, and, and you texted me, so half past five in UK time, half past six France time. You That's texted me. I was me listening to it. And you said, I think, are you sure you got the right podcast? Because there's a lot of burping and swearing in this one. <laughs> And then I realised I'd have to listen to it that I actually put the unedited version up on on the interweb. Luckily, I took it down very quickly. You did well, not well. Yeah, you did very quickly. And, and but there are two hundred twenty three <laughs> downloads of it because <laughs> literally that's what that's how many people. So it's, it is out there. And somebody actually did walk up to us in Las Vegas when we were at our sales conference and said, "I like the new direction of your podcast. <laughs> I didn't think we could go down that way." Anyway, so we we've we've digressed. So, so let's, our guests. So, so well, let's introduce Matt. So we've got Matt Brown. So Matt Brown. today's a significant day. Why, Matt? Because this is his first day back from not only holiday, but actually honeymoon and wedding. You got, yeah. So you got married then? Oh, I did. Oh, you got you flipping idiot. <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> he was inquiring as to when this... We were recording this in the afternoon and he was, requ- he was inquiring as to when it would be finished because, you know, still in the early throes of marriage, he's quite keen to get home. And I think that's nice. Yeah. Oh no, God. we've got no, we've got a little one. Those days are long over. You've got a little one, so you've got to get home for baby looking after yeah. duties. So no. we've got Matt Brown in the house. So thank you for joining us. First day back, Matt. Thank you very much. And we also have a very special guest, <laughs> Neil Trevine. Hello, Neil. Hello, he's, he's back Hello, again. I'm he's back ba- again. I'm back again. Yes. Back again. Eighteen yes. years married, so I'm trying to find a way of not getting home on time. <laughs> yeah, I'm twenty years married, and I'm not going home tonight. Well, I'm fasting today, so anything I can do to extend, uh, you know, that bit where you're rummaging around the house, not quite able to eat, that's an entirely different What the thread. heck? What are you, a foraging animal? If you're in the house and you're bored, right, then the temptation is to eat. So the longer I can delay that, anyway, let's move on. Situation. But, but yeah, isn't, it, wonderful isn't, it, thing. isn't it quite tricky with your house? <laughs> <laughs> are we there yet? I want to do. I want to. You've got to do an Eddie. Ed, uh, um, what's his name now? Eddie Murphy. Eddie Ed Murphy. Murphy Ed, mm. Ed Murphy impression now, but I can't. So the point of oh, this podcast, <laughs> moving on, um, was yeah. No, we 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 obviously like to showcase uh, uh, a number of different things that are going on in and around Cisco, and particularly around some of our technology areas. And one of the ones um, that is uh, important for us, I guess, at the moment, but but also in terms of what we feel it's going to give customers basically uh, in terms of their environments is titration so cisco titration analytics um and we thought well what better way to kind of enlighten our listeners uh, on the subject than invite our two uh, resident experts and that's not you and i justin as we no. often repeat i have not a clue what titration is so titration in very simple terms and i will run out of my knowledge you're not a co- your co-host you're not you're not no, no, a contributor you're a co-host all right. is the ability to really light up everything that's going on in the data, in the data center to to the extent that has it's never really been possible. No, not it's light a, up. It's from a fluorescent a lamp. No, but it's like a, it's like a, you know, it's like a torch. It's it, the data center is a black, bit of a black box. So being able to shine a light inside the data center and understand what's really going on is uh, has a whole raft of benefits which we will go through. Oh, good. Well, see, yeah. I was right. Yeah, so as, I said torch, and you went no. endorsed by Neil. He said, you, he said it's a torch. You went, no, 
Well, no, but don't I, mean, care. I thought you meant like as in fire, late in the fire, and I didn't mean no, it. No, like I was hoping like a torch, like a spotlight. He so. was refer he was referring Justin to your uh, probation period as you know <laughs> pseudo arsonist. <laughs> Coming to an end now. <laughs> so well, I, I, I it, might don't know if I'll leave that one in, but I might add out. So this question <laughs> that you know, when when we get that honest moment with customers, when you sort of say, look, do you do you have a clear view of everything that's going on? in your data center, in your environment, all the applications, what are they touching? What are they running across? In most cases, in that honest moment, customers will turn around and say, well, actually, no, because it's been built up over time, lots of different you know, environments, technologies, etc. And the reality is we probably don't have full visibility of what's going on um, in our data center. And that's really, I think, the, the sort of founding premise for what titration is all about so is that is that a good place for us to start now that we've eventually started yeah, i think so yeah. okay good 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 so who wants to go first in terms of where where have we been with titration where are we now and the sorts of conversations but, that we're really getting into but before that you mean but great to sell find out what is titration but what is the problem is the problem it's solving is that just nobody knows what's going on in the data center in real life principally yeah I mean, okay. if, you, if you were to speak to, and, and back when I was on the other side of the fence, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put my hand on my heart and tell you precisely what ran inside my data centre in terms of the, the conversations that were going on. So not, not, not necessarily like when we were doing the ACA, when we were talking about virtual machines and that sort of stuff, and, and, and this is about not the actual applications running on the virtual machines, if I'm going to... Look at me funny, your tongue no, to shut no, up. No, and this is finish. the actual the flow of the information. Yeah, so this, this and is the, the conversations that are happening between mm. those those application components, the yeah. things that actually makes the, the data center, you know, have a, a, a heartbeat, yeah. a spiritual rate. Yeah, and, the, and it's the conversations mm -hmm. that are happening between those workflows. And in the past, somebody would ask you, you know, what what does your data center look like? And we, we you know we dust off a copy of Visio. We, we call up I think it was he dust off a copy of Viz. <laughs> <laughs> that would be more entertaining. But more entertaining yeah, and, and probably not any less valid either. Because you just sat in the guy sat in the corner going, what reading Sid the Sexist? <laughs> exactly. And, now for all those people of a certain age will get Viz that. Could Matt be, hasn't I think I've he's got no idea. Right, he has okay. no idea well, what Sid we just talked sexist. about. Yeah. So Viz Finn could be a very Saunders. dangerous frame of reference for this podcast, so we should probably go back to Vizio. I think, we'll go back go to, I think we'll go so, back to Visio. Otherwise so you're not, could... we'll dust off your copy of Viz, uh, Visio. 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 So, so you'd have that. You'd open up the, your, uh, your diagram of what was sitting inside your data center. Uh, you'd probably change the date and the time on it to make it look like you'd actually updated it <laughs> since the last time somebody had Did asked you, you that, for Neil? it. Oh, regularly. All right. um, but really all it was was a, a bunch of boxes with some lines drawn between them. And, and that's, that's not a data center. Um, that's Be a Visio diagram. <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's, it's you know my my thirteen year old boy could draw the same picture and arguably it'd have this it, certainly today it would have the same amount of of inherent information and value that's inside it, mm. um, and the big change was when we started to allow things to to move around in our data center. So you you were talking just about about the idea of virtual machines, and when virtual machines became kind of production ready was the fact that we could move things around. We could do high availability, and we could we could balance resources. Well, now instead of a particular box on that diagram only ever being one thing, now it could have ten different workloads running on it, mm. ten different virtual machines, and that could be how it was in the morning. But by the afternoon, based on you know something failing or or just moving workloads and things like that, yeah. it might have a different set on. So. 
I, I think kind of, I like to think of kind of tetration as a bit like that Marauder's Map in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. So that idea of that was on the telly on the weekend as well. Yeah, Order of the Phoenix. Uh, it was that one, was it? Yeah, it was Order of the Phoenix. Um, anyway, we digress. <laughs> but yeah, that Harry Potter's Marauder's yeah. Map. So you can, you know, where you can see all of those. In this case, so you know exactly who's walking around. So you know yeah. Severus Snape is bombing around. The, so you know the data centre, nicking your stuff. And the bit that we add to it, that which isn't on that Marauders map, is those conversations that are happening yeah. and taking place in between. So them. as well as seeing, right? Okay, yeah. I think I don't know if I'm getting myself confused, but I get get the Marauders map bit because you can actually see the flows of data and, the, and where they're moving from and where they're moving to, and it doesn't matter. You're not expecting the same applications to come from the same place. It's changing. Exactly. So I've got exactly. that. The bit is around then is understanding what is going in those conversations or what are the conversations being had. So. With tetration, I... with tetration, we're not fundamentally concerned with, with the, the data content of those conversations. You don't care what's in the conversation. You just want to know that there's a conversation happening. Exactly. That's what we want to know because that's what build, builds the map and that's what allows us to maintain a level of security. Um, if we were capturing... Every, what do you mean by security? Well, if we were capturing every piece of that conversation in its constituent bits as it went, as, you know, its packets yeah. that it went across the network, we could rebuild that. Yeah. So if I am working in a, a, an environment which has a regulatory or a compliance requirement, that's one thing we, we don't want to be able to do. We don't want to be able to have to rebuild, you know, rebuild Re reconstitute those. conversations yeah. because, because that's that, that's all you could be stealing stuff. Yeah, that you, that. Could, yeah. you could steal You're vulnerable. Yeah. All we're doing is saying, you know, who's talking to, to who? Neil and Justin have had a chat. This is how yeah. long they spoke for. Yeah, Neil was in this room. Justin was in that room. They had another conversation in the afternoon. Justin, Neil was still in the same room. Justin had moved to a different room. Yeah, so yeah. that we understand that those flows and we can yeah. build that map because that, that's, that's that foundational element. That's really where Tetration 1.0 was kind of built from. That idea of what we call application dependency mapping. Yeah. In terms of what goes to make up an application, what are those constituent components? Who's talking to who? Okay. So that was that that base level that we needed mm. to have. From there, you then start to think, well, well how can I use that information? Yeah, because that's that's the thing. Because I mean, you can have all that information, but what are you going to do with it? Or what, what's the benefit you get out of it? And I think that's the thing. Like before tetration, the way that we used to actually get that data and that information of who's talking to what was through span taps, was through interrogating configs on switches or you know switches, routers, that sort of stuff. So it was somebody manually having to go in and work out who was talking to what. Um, and now with Tetration, you know, what came along in that 1.0 release was to be able to extract all of that information to a central place and then actually start to use artificial intelligence and machine learning to start to build that mapping up. And that's really where the smarts is within Tetration. I think, on, I think to that point, I mean, you touched on it being manual, you know, for a customer to find out to some level of accuracy or some degree what was going on just in terms of their applications within their environment, you could be talking a multi-month, you know, manual, i.e. consulting project exercise where theoretically, you know, the minute you hand over the, the, the big bunch of Visio diagrams or report, it's going to be out of date probably seconds, minutes just from so, that point. So does it actually tell you, because you talked about the conversation that happened, but does it actually tell you what's connected to what then? Because that's what your Visio diagram is. It'd be so, right, okay, actually this switch is then connected to that switch and to that yeah. server. Yeah. And 
but we're going even deeper than that. We're, we're going to the point of, of the individual processes. So, so when, when you're running an application on a server, whether it's a virtual machine, a physical server, or a container, you're running a process. There is a process sitting in there. So then, you know, any of, anybody who, who's listening, you'll have seen that in, in your, copy of, uh, your copy of Windows, and you go to Task Manager, and you see all the processes that are running. If you go onto an Apple Mac, you can do the same thing in Activity Monitor, you can see all the processes that are running. Um, those are the things that go to make up your applications. What we do with Tetration is it's not just this box is talking to this box. It's this process, this piece of this application so it's, is talking to this other piece of this application. Right, okay. Because that's, that's the important part. That, that's the true conversation. Right, okay. So it's actually sort of instead of the conversation happening, it's sort of saying you, this is the thing that's going on in your head. This is what you're thinking about while you're having the conversation. I don't know. Yeah, I've gone so, too deep. so if you think from a, from a compliance perspective, we can say this user created this process so that might just be an SSH, you know, session to mm. go and connect to somebody else. But actually, we can track which user entered which command, which generated which network packets, and where they went on the network. And you think, from a security standpoint, how powerful that is. You know, with everything that you see in the press about hacks and break-ins yeah. and data stealing. So is this stuff. a security product or is it a data center product? So, that's yeah. That's what it comes on to. So is that's what yeah, we're gonna what, have a fight, like a security guy and data center guy. <laughs> no, because it, it's you know it's, so one harmonious family. All oh, right, okay. The problem with what we've done with da with data center security is data center security was built on the idea of um, bri bricks and mortar. Yeah, our data centers was a physical place. You could go and park your car in the car park. You could turn up. You could get through the physical security access, and that was your data center. And we would build a perimeter. We'd take a very traditional perimeter view of that. So we put up a castle wall, we'd build a moat around it. But once you breached that castle wall... Once you, you're in, you're in. You're in. Yeah, and you're, you're free to do it. And if you look at the vast majority of, um, of high-profile hacks, the initial point of entry was not what they were after. That oh, was okay. just a vulnerability they exploited to be able to get in. The same way if somebody breaks into your house, they're not interested in the window pane they took out. They want to go and grab the jewellery, the cash, the TV, whatever it might be. That's what they want to get to. Um, so we need a different data center security model because that data center now could still be, part of it could still be that traditional bricks and mortar, but some of it could now be a co-location facility. We might have some of our data center components sitting up uh, in a in a rack space. But what about the hyperscalers? Because does that exactly? Then you get that goes even. See that hyperscalers. What, anybody who doesn't remember what hyperscalers? That's like Amazon or Azure, Microsoft or Google. Yep. Googly googly one. Um, and I can't Correct, remember anymore. Justin. Well remembered. There you go. <laughs> and that makes it even worse. Because now I don't even really know where that is. That, so your application even, could be speed to, or your processes could be going from anywhere. Right, yeah, right. exactly. You might I'm have, you might have, to, in order to get kind of local, um, local performance benefits, you might have the the web front end of your application is sitting up and distributed throughout AWS. Mm. Some of the business processes are, are likely to be back on your premises. And the data that sits behind that, the crown jewels, is definitely going to be sitting inside. Yeah. Your, so your you could have like because you, you have, have something like a, a, a um, software as a service like 
uh, Salesforce because we do that because we use Salesforce. If I've got this right, I might have got this wrong, but they but the data still ours, as in it. We still hold all the data that's pulled from Absolutely. it. It's old and run by us. We don't give it and put it up into the cloud. We keep it ourselves, and it's ac- ac- the cloud accesses it or yeah. something like that, isn't it? Yeah. So we have hooks that's in. Oh, we have oh, we have uh, we have high performance pipes that run between our data centers and into um, uh, Salesforce data centers. So that all we want to be able to access is the front end functionality. So how yeah. it's displayed yeah. uh, and some of the things that sit within within how it's displayed, but the actual data, the customer records and all those kind of things, we want to h- keep hold of those because that's, that's our crown that's jewels, our isn't it? Crown jewels. And obviously for compliance reasons exactly. and stuff like that, yeah, we don't want to lose our. So exactly. at the end of the day, yeah, we're, we're not, uh, yeah, so we need it as just as much yeah. as anybody else. But understanding how well those processes are running. But the thing is, though, it's, it's interesting. I was listening to another podcast, and I do listen to other podcasts. Another podcast? I know. I do listen to other ones. But this was guy was talking about, they're talking about digitization, digitization strategy. And it was saying that you look at businesses like retailers, go, oh, yeah, we're going to put sensors in store so we can know people. We can see the footfall on people's, on, our, on the website when people are buying online, but we don't know what's going on in the store. And you go, well, that's great, but you've put sensors in there, but what are you going to do with it? But so so that's the thing of you can you now get this. How does this data get? You just get loads of data coming. How do you make it it useful? How do you make it useful? I think that's the point. Thank you. That's why you're here. Yeah. How do you make it? You're not a donkey at all. (laughs) And I think I think that's the thing. You know, from what Neil was said, you know, it's what you do with that data. And actually, the the trend in the security angle was to micro segment things. Well, actually, in order to micro segment, you need to know how the applications are talking. You need that data. And so, you know, that builds on what Tetration 1.0 was, providing you that data. 2.0 was taking the cloud workflow protection. So actually, how do we start to What does that mean, do... Well, that's how we start to protect our workloads. But I'm just turn them around. <laughs> but all those applications, those VMs, no matter where they're sitting, whether it's on bare metal, in a virtual machine, in the public cloud, how do we start to bring a layer of security? How do we start to allow that actually only this part of the application can talk to this part of the application. So you're going to need, you, okay, you need to have visibility of that first before you can yeah. start to yeah. put a policy, a security policy around it. And I think that's, because um, when one of the, you know, when we talked about 1.0, you know, we were really quite focused on what it would do in terms of, for example, application dependency mapping. That was one of the initial things that we really uh, concentrated on. If you now look at what what it is, it's kind of it's multiple sources and streams of data that it's that it's pulling on from from anywhere in your uh, environment. So that can be through software sensors, that can be through physical hardware sensors, that can be through other you know is it NetScout, NetFlow, different sorts of yeah. So we yeah. Can, we can take things in from other existing traditional platforms which use things like NetFlow, for instance. Like, so, like, like the Catalyst switches and yep, things Catalyst like that. Catalyst switches, yeah. uh, Stealthwatch. Like firewalls the, do it, don't they? Um, yeah, and we do, we do some clever things with, with firewalls and particularly uh, load balancers and, and application delivery controllers, which, which cause, we, when you try to map an application, can cause you some, some interesting challenges. Because then they're trying to load balance that application over two different links or something like yeah. that okay and then you've got you know sitting i mean I, I i wouldn't even pretend to understand the the science behind it but there's some pretty heavyweight algorithms that are being run you know as part of the you can have the tent the tetration software 
if you have the titration, you know, the, the, the heavyweight grunt kind of appliance side of things that's constantly churning these algorithms around that data to give you kind of usable insights, actionable insights um, of, of what it, whatever it is that's been found. And as you layer at each of these, you know, titration is a bunch of different applications now, isn't it? You, you know, for, you know, crunching that data to give you insight as to what's actually going on. And I think that's the bit that was maybe, I don't know, lost in the early, in the early iterations of it. And I think uh, to your point about um, about about actionable insights, mm. we, we've tried to do this in the past with a broad variety of different tools, both in in terms of how we were trying to secure the data center, so kind of classic intrusion detection, intrusion prevention systems. Um, we had uh, products that were involved around security, instant and event management. The problem with all of those was we we gathered a vast quantity of data, a huge quantity of data. Well then, how, but how do I then go and look for the, the, the piece of information in there that's actually important to me, that I can do something with, that, that yeah, is actionable, actionable? Yeah, actionable yeah. input, yeah. yeah. Um, because if I'm, if I'm a, you know, as a human being, I can't do that. I can't go through that, you know, that amount of information yeah. and pull something up that actually I can understand. Yeah. How do I query it in the first place? Mm. And it's only actionable if I can do something with it in a sensibly short period of time. Yeah. Otherwise, it's really old and it's all happened in the past. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's and and this is you know comes back to, to something that was that was said earlier about, um, you know, traditionally how do we map applications? We'd use a variety of, you know, as Matt was saying, Yoki was saying, kind of manual processes. You you swing in a, a busload of consultants. You do a lot of interviews. You try and dig out documentation. You'd whiteboard it. Literally, the minute that process began, the information was out of date. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to have something that can manage all of that in real time and churn some of that data for you. Do that pattern recognition and pattern matching for you and allow you to turn this whole mass of data, because what you're looking for is you're looking for a needle yeah. in, in a, a very large stack of needles. Yeah. yeah? Um, <laughs> so being able, to, being able to, to create, to use machine learning to say, well, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do the heavy lifting for you. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna churn this, I'm gonna pattern match things for you. And I'm gonna give you a, a pictorial representation of what that looks like. So you can then query it uh, visually, if you're a visual thinker, um, you can query it with natural language searches. If that's if that's more akin to you, there's ways to in which we can start to churn through that information. Does it not just alarm and say tell you stuff? Good, right? Okay, yeah, it can absolutely. Be, it can so, for example, one of the one of the features of running the software sensors or the software agents in in the guest OS is that we can pr we can inventory all of the software packages and patches that are installed on a particular virtual machine, for example. So what we then do is we'll marry that up and compare it with a vulnerability list. So you know, your typical CVE vulnerability list. Okay. So basically that is a list. What's a CVE? That, so basically that's a vulnerability list that has basically got every software vulnerability on. That we that, know of. Yeah, that, that wow. exists out there. Okay. So what we can then start to say is actually, do you know what? All of our Windows 2003 servers are now um, vulnerable to this particular attack. And so we can identify either the ones that need to be patched or we can enforce a security policy that states 
those servers cannot connect to this domain name, for example, if they're going to try and reach out to a particular name, domain name mm -hmm. as part of that vulnerability. So actually, we can be very, very quick to react to you know particular events or ex exploits. Okay. And that's part of the thing, isn't it? It's almost like um, it's been, you know, dare I say, it's, it's not been the easiest for some people to get their head around because part of it is, you know, you're being given a platform, the data is there, you, you know, you've got the algorithm, the power with which to analyse that data very, very quickly, you know, almost instantaneously. But it's also open somewhat to your imagination as to, well, what is it you want to find out? What is it you're trying to model? What is it that you're trying to protect? Because in this world as well, the, the, the kind of it's almost like the possibilities are endless as well. And this is the this is part of the I guess the potential of the platform, but also part of the difficulty and people getting their heads around exactly what it can drive and the value it can drive. The one thing that's sticking out to me from this as well is how does it how do you get all this information? Is it just from Netflow, or is it just you just you just no, point loot? So you're you're using the real power comes from the software sensors. So the software sensors are uh, small pieces of code that we uh, we deploy into uh, a particular operating system. Um, and the reason they're so powerful is because they sit inside the operating system, they can see those processes that we were speaking about earlier. So they have that idea of those process inventories. So to Matt's point about being able to check that against the, the CBE vulnerability database, mm -hmm. that vulnerability database is about you know specific pieces of code, specific you know runtime elements of code that mm -hmm. are sitting there, processes. Mm -hmm. And because the software sensor sits in there, it can see them. Yeah. Add to that hardware sensors, so that's in the Nexus 9K platform um, that we spoke about in, as, as the underpinnings of, of what we do with ACI. Um, that adds some more color, if you like, because mm -hmm. it's aggregating information there at, at wire speed. And then we can start to bring in other sources like Joachim was talking about, whether that's geolocation tags. So, you know, where physically are things sitting in the world? Um, what am I doing? You know, VM, you know, VM attributes, so virtual machine attributes, name, any of the tags that are associated with that. We have tags in AWS, we have tags in Azure. So you can start to bring all of this color in so that what you're creating is something that doesn't just become a bunch of IP addresses and port numbers. We're actually being able to, to, to give it that something that is then becomes human readable and is then queryable queryable from a, a natural language query perspective. All right, okay. Um, and ingesting all of that information along with some traditional ones like like the idea of NetFlow uh, and uh, and span traffic, bring all of that in to create that statistical database so that the machine learning can go and say, I think this application looks like this and I am 97% confident that that's what it looks like. Yeah. Hello, it's Justin Wollin here. Hello, it's Joachim Mason here. Is this like an advert break in our own podcast? It is. I love that. If you like this podcast, why don't you listen to some others? If you want to search for Cisco UKI, wherever you get your podcast from, hit the subscribe button. We'd love it. So it's sucking all this data in. Is, is this like, is Tetration like massive? Is it like, is it like deep thought? For those who know Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, is it this massive thing? And then they have to build it. Deep thought was too wasn't big enough, and then they have to build another one called Earth. There you go. Sorry. 
So there's different, I mean, we'll come on to actually the different ways you, you know, there's different ways of deploying or, or consuming, I feel like. Because it just feels like massive, like it's a, it's a big thing. It's like a big, it, the way it's feeling that we're talking is there's a big behemoth of a thing that you send all this information out. It's gathered all this 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 software, software sensors are out there, pulling all this information. You can feel like it could be, become so, very big very quickly. That's the, because you think how, you mean. Part of it is dependent upon what, what, uh, there's a degree of organisational maturity that the customer has to have, yeah? Because there's an element of trying to understand what this can actually do for you from, uh, from an application dependency mapping and, and, more importantly, from a security perspective and a segmentation perspective. And what we find is that is having the ability to start small and pick one or two or three applications that you might be interested in Start that and then begin the process. Right. Okay. Of so it's not like something. It's that. not like a big bang after yeah. do everything. I can just start little and go. Do you know what? I'll just. Yeah. So does it does it go onto like a, a server or a virtual machine or do, where does it get all this data get stored and crunched? Where's the machine learning happening? So there's so there's three options. Am I jumping around a bit no, too no, much? No, no, no. Because these are all the questions coming in my head. You so know the, the answers already, Ockham, because you're clever like that. Yeah. Go on, Matt. <laughs> Give Justin the answer. So there's three deployment options. We've got a SaaS service. So just point it to the cloud. Yep. Yep. So we've got a Cisco cloud. Well, we've not got Cisco cloud, but yeah, we've got a SaaS offering that yeah. you can point everything to. So there's no hardware. We will provide that 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 software. And is that like just pay, pay as you, not pay as you go, but uh, sort of a, a software license? license yeah, software yeah. License yeah pay as you use. So the number of licenses or, or the number of OSs that you you want to look at. That's how many okay. you'll, you'll pay for. We've then got a virtual offering. So that's where you'd, you know, we would give you the virtual machines and you'd spin that up um, on an ASXi cluster. So that's brilliant for something like Hyperflex or you know your own ASXi cluster. Um, no, Hyperflex isn't to the Hyperflex podcast. Well, there's going to be another one. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes when I say that, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've also got uh, specific on-premise clusters that we can wheel in. So depending upon the scale... Is that big, you have to wheel them in like... Well, it depends. So we've got um, we've got an eight RU cluster, and we've also got a is it thirty nine RU cluster RU. for those really big deployments for those. You know, and what would that be? What you, kind you would of need kind of a trolley for that, I think. Yeah, actually, a, a, yeah. A <laughs> what kind of size of customer that is? That like a worldwide bank or something like that? Is it or uh, or or? It's it's going to be a function of the of the complexity of that customer's application. All right. So the answer is depends. So it is the classic SE kind of answer, which is it depends. Um, <laughs> which is fine. I'm um, okay with that. But it but it is. It's a function of. It's not necessarily a function of how many people are in that organisation. So this is one of the things that we're finding with a lot of the things that we do within the DC spaces. So, size in terms of sizing particular solutions is not necessarily just a function of, of bums on seats. Yeah. For us, it's a lot more about how many apps do you have? How complex are those applications? How many integration points? How distributed are those applications? Uh-huh. Which might not necessarily be a function of how many people work for you as, a, as an organization. So slightly different kind of metrics. Um, to put it into perspective, we ran one of those 39 rack unit um, appliances, which looks more like a fridge freezer if you want to compare it to an appliance, in our data, oh. cent- in, our data center in Richardson in Texas. We ran it for a year. Um, 9.8 billion unique flow records. So 9.8 billion unique conversations in mm-hmm. that year. Um, because we'd opened it up to everything. 
Uh, and we built it at a scale because we wanted to prove how big it could get. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've, we've then it's easier to then come back the other way. Yeah, then try and grow and then the go, t- oh, Craig, we haven't got enough, exactly. oh, I haven't got enough capacity, we haven't got enough capacity. Exactly. Okay. So big, start big and then get smaller. If that's how we built it, but now we're flipping it, it's now flipped the other way from a customer perspective, which is actually, yeah, start. Start small, then grow. And then start to grow. Yeah. How does it, the one thing I, I've seen in a couple of presentations, though, is, is they go, well, what's the difference between titration and up, up, day, up dynamics? So this is where you're really starting to look at different, yeah, different parts of the stack. You know, titration is really focused on what's talking to what, what, what the packets are doing, you know, compliance, um, workload protection, security, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then app dynamics is really focused on the performance of that application. So, so the user experience, so the yeah. end user, as in I'm on a laptop trying to get onto a, an insurance website, mm-hmm. trying to get insurance for my lovely new motorhome. Uh, oh, the motorhome. Oh, the motorhome. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's the difference. That's all right, because I just thought, because I have seen slides where they sort of, but it they, is they've the, got a bit you, of both on there. And, and, and I think but that there is, it's valid also to say that, you know, it is the combination of both that, that will give you, you know, that visibility of everything in and around what um, supports and drives the application performance, including its own code, right? So there's that because, again, there's sensors attached to that particular application, so from an AppD point of view. Um, but then it's and then it's everything that's happening then, you know, as it travels through down into the infrastructure once and all it, the Once you're in the machine of the data center, yeah. that's when you want to know how things are performing yeah. and where, who's talking to what and what's talking to And I think and... just on that point, because we talk about, you know, we still, we probably do this ourselves, we perpetuate this thing of the data center is bricks and mortar. I mean, like that, uh, your dad's data center is Neil's phrase, right? Which is this kind of, and a disused industrial wasteland somewhere. And I think we need to also get used to the idea now that actually, whether it's data center or cloud, we're, we're not so concerned about physically where because, it is, yeah, because as long as we can follow it and see what's what's going on with it. But if and it's a software sensor, you can put that anywhere. The exactly. Well, that's exactly. The, so exactly it doesn't matter. That. So you could, you could have your, like you said, the, the most complex environment is I've got a bit of software as a service, infrastructure as a service, uh, into a hyperscaler, into a blimmin, into, yeah. into a, like in a and colo, the and then and and my own data center as well. Yep. Crikey, how do you do that? Well, that's what you can do that because with 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 titration. Yeah, I mean, if, if you think about uh, think about a smart city and what what we're trying to do from a smart city perspective. Apparently, there's another podcast like that, but we might have to promote <laughs> um, it. All right, where you you've got you've got some local sensors, so you might have them installed in in the street lighting, in the street furniture. And you're you're churning that information in order to be able to return something back to to a visitor to that city. So what you can't wait for is for all of that information to be hauled all the way back to a data center, mm. churned through some set of algorithms, and then returned back to the end user. It's it's, it's, a, it's not an optimal end user experience. So you start to see the rise of this idea of, of edge computing or edge cloud computing. Mm. So you're doing some compute, maybe a little bit of storage there as well. Well. That's kind of a data center. Hmm. There's a bit of networking in there. There's some compute in there, and there's some storage in there. Mm-hmm. Well, that pretty much ticks all the boxes for what is a data center. But that could be in a little green box, sat at the side of the road. Then you're pulling some of that. And you might be putting some of that up into, say, Google Cloud Platform because you want to use some of their analytics capabilities to start the process of churning that data. 
Then from a historical perspective, you want to pull that, the results of that down and store that in your own data center because that becomes your crown jewels. That's the stuff that you might be able mm. to sell on to other people. Um, you might be able to use it to, to prove out particular parts of the service. So you've got this kind of spread. I want to be able to see how that application behaves, how all those conversations occur. And I want to be able to secure all of those points as well. Because if I suddenly decide that I don't want to run those analytics in, in Google Cloud Platform, I want to run them in AWS, yeah? So I want to put them in Amazons. I don't want to have to re-engineer my security policies. I just want to move the software sensor. Right. That's all I want to be able to do. But I, how do you enforce that policy, though? If the application's been, I don't know, badly or something like that, and it's still trying to get out to Google Cloud, how, does, how do you enforce that policy? And that's, so, so enforce is, is, is the choice word in all of this. We, we've gone from being software sensors, which are gathering information mm. in and ingesting information, to then flipping those sensors and saying, well, okay, now you've identified what's going on, mm -hmm. I'm going to use the same component to now enforce my security policy. So the sensors. So the sensor becomes an enforcement agent as ah. well as a sensor, and and I liken it to the idea of having a, a close protection officer, a bodyguard for your for your workload. Yeah. So going from that idea of traditional data centers, castle walls, moat, drawbridge. Now what we've got is because our workloads are more mobile, I've now got a bodyguard. 24 Fol by 7, following your application follows me all the way around regardless of where i am yeah. to provide the same level of protection so then so if you move it from google to aws and for some reason something tried the process or the in in the application tries to talk back to google again it goes no i'm stopping you you can't yep. do that slap on the wrist stop doing it right okay i've got it wow that's good and your brain didn't explode it's it's running my nose i've got a nosebleed Oh, have you? Oh, Not okay. really. You know, we talk about sort of 2.0 and this cloud workload protection and then for that, how that, you know, because it, it's not about physically where something sits in no. anymore. That's the one thing I blatantly got from this. It's, yeah. not, it's the complexity of in the real life, in the real world now, it can be sitting anywhere. It could be anywhere, but, yeah. but, but because of that, and whether you talk about in terms of attack surface or other, th I mean, it can literally be anywhere. So where do you put the protection? You, you, yes, you do all your normal stuff that you mm -hmm. would do around in terms of perimeter and, and, and you know policy management and whitelisting and segmentation and all of those things. But the best thing that you can do is to make sure that there is protection, policy protection around the application or around the workload. And that's mm -hmm. what you're getting okay. with Tetration. So basically, it's a bodyguard. It's a bodyguard. It's a bodyguard. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's we're, we're still scratching the surface of what Tetration can do. Which I think kind of building on something that, that Joachim said. When we've we, we've gone from version one to version two, we're version three, mm -hmm. 3.1 now. We continue to build and we're building on that. So we, we've got that massive data store. We know what to do with that data store. Mm -hmm. We can get that level of visibility. Now it's well, what actually can I do with that information? What genuinely will create, back to Joachim's point about something that's actionable, mm -hmm. some insights I can take. Mm -hmm. um, and so some of that work is um, how we continue to drive kind of the vulnerability assessments and how we drive um, what we call uh, escalation privileges. So somebody comes in at a, a standard user level and then tries to mm -hmm. elevate their, their, their privileges. Um, where can we put those sensors uh, is, an, is another part of it. 
But then the other piece is integration. So, you know, interesting you're talking about, you know, where does App Dynamics fit and Tetration fit? App Dynamics is about that idea of a business transaction, which might touch a whole raft of different applications. Mm-hmm. Um, we have integration, we're working on integration now, which is if App Dynamics sees a problem with a particular business transaction, mm-hmm. one of the things it can do is it can go and query Tetration and say, Give me your view on this. You're, oh, yeah, looking, yeah, yeah. you're looking at this from a far deeper level from a, than, from a different angle than I am. Yeah. So, the combination of those two things together gives you an even deeper insight into how that application well, okay. is performing, and those set of applications right. performing. That shrinks your mean time to recover. Uh, from an operations perspective, it drives down that mean time to innocence. It wasn't us; it was another part yeah. of the, the operations, um, and we get that full view. Everything from the lines of code that are running in an application, which is what App Dynamics does for us, all the way through the individual processes to the virtual machines to how it goes across. Right. The okay. And, and yeah. I think on that, because because another thing is we often, I mean, cyber and security has been a, a common topic on this podcast, and a, a lot That's of because Mark trying, Jackson was on you. For ages. Oh, I know. Uh, uh, but a lot of what we're trying to do is just to try and protect, if you like, against things that are known. You know, known about an environment or known threats, and how you remediate against, uh, you know, remediate those things. But there's not so much in rounds. Well, how do you prepare yourself for the unknown? You know, what, you know, what looking ahead, how do you prepare yourself for the unknown? And I think, you know, we've gone back. You know, we've talked about this as a platform and as a collection of different applications that we are constantly adding to as we, you know, evolve and innovate within within the platform. But even that point around, well capturing that data you know being able to query it in that way to run you know forensic kind of modeling on certain scenarios um to to you know to see what would happen if mm. those these are the sorts of things that then allow you you know give you give you a tool for protecting yourself for what is currently unknown if it then happens you've got that you know you've got that record of it and you mm-hmm. and you know what to do next time okay so i think that you know that aspect of it as well is is, is kind of it's both backward looking and forward looking brilliant um, and so if a customer wants to go and find out more about this, where do they go? Is it cisco.com for just go for saturation? That's the one. That's amazing. Well done. <laughs> Did you check it beforehand? No. All oh, right. Okay. Yes, you can. Or or any of the usual ways. Or in fact, you can get in touch with the podcast. You can get just, in touch with us. If you, if you could go at donkey at the Cisco Technology Podcast, I'll make sure personally <laughs> that you're made up name answered. and made up email address. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so this is the fun part of the podcast, swag time. So it's, did we I've been this? having fun right up until this point as well, Justin, oh, just for the record. All right, okay. Well, it is because you're talking data center. Um, so swag time. Go on in, Matt. What's your favorite swag that you've had? And it's been written on the board, so it's not like it's a... It's a well, last time I said I got a monkey, and I've not been anywhere since. So well, Give us another one then. So I'm gonna. Swag. So there's some swag which has not yet. I've, been... I've nicked, I've nicked a, a, a bit of swag off a table in in work. Have you? Yeah, Justin. one of those scality bottles. Oh, one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they were just sat you know, there for ages, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and I went, I'll have one in now. We're soaking off some water. Yeah, to be fair, there's quite a few either vacuum flasks or water bottles that have been floating around. Any new swag for me? Yeah. yeah. No, but I was I was thinking about I got a, I got a dozen bottles of vodka. Uh, from yep. f- Didn't you say you had a PlayStation? No, it was a Nintendo Wii. No, I got a Nintendo Wii. That That's was the Nintendo one. Wii. But I got a, I got a dozen bottles of, of vodka, having done, having helped out uh, on a, a, a big a, night a out, corporate a corporate weekend away, 
and uh, the CEO had, had asked his PA to just go and buy, you know, buy me whatever I like to drink. But rather than just buy me a bottle, she bought me 12, which was fine <laughs> up until... That's the sixth one, and then after that, it all went <laughs> it a bit blank. Fine. It was fine up until my, uh, my parents came to stay, and my mum said, do you, I'm cooking you dinner, do you have any peas in the freezer? And it was at that moment I realised that the, actually the only thing in the freezer was a dozen <laughs> bottles of vodka. How did you Which, explain? Well, she she <laughs> took it quite badly. Yeah. My, my dad, on the other hand, very much enjoyed uh, both the vanilla and the pepper flavoured. Yeah. And was quite happy oh, that there was no teas. And was very happy at the end of it. And, and dinner really was merely a... A blur. A blur. Yeah. Anyway, please drink responsibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and please edit responsibly, Justin. I'll just try to, and edit just responsibly. To I'll try and edit responsibly. Um, is there any sayings you want to stick in? Any any other sayings that have come out? Please edit responsibly. That's, that's my not tech a jargon. That's not tech jargon, isn't it? You oh. want to put that in room one hundred and one, then? Is it? Yeah. Well, no, because I like it. Because I want you to remember it. Oh God. Uh, no, none that I think wouldn't be edited out, Justin. To be honest with you. Yeah. No. But it's yeah. But a tech jargon is is not swearing, is it? Really. Well, well, we've had, I've, I've struggled to remember which ones we've had. We've had Journey, we've had Pivot, RTFM. we've had Reach Out, we've had... Um, you, go, you go use one of mine, RTFM. Uh, what's that one? Read the flipping manual. Oh yeah, there's that one. Um, are there any others? I can't I, just I, repeat them all. Because I'm, no, I'm sure, I'm sure we... There was we one had Single Pane of Glass the other day. Oh, yeah. Single Pane of Glass. Like that yeah. one. You, like, you hate Journey. I hate Journey. I hate, I, I hate Journey to the cloud with a passion. Yeah. Um, the other one, I, the other one I really don't like is any of the ones that involve running up the flagpole. Oh, we had thirty thousand yes, foot. Stick oh. it in the microwave. You. You Blue sky thinking. <laughs> I was once on a course where a guy, a guy actually went to somebody. It's um, it's your ball, and I want you to run with it. When he came up with an idea and actually made him run the length of the no. uh, of the desks. Yeah. Oh, no, that's taking things too far. That's a bit weird. That is. That's weird. It's given me an idea for a next team meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right then. On that note. On that last, let's uh, let's finish the podcast. So thanks very much for listening. Um, thanks very much, Matt. Thanks very much, Neil. Thanks very much, Joachim. Again, welcome back. You said that about gritted I've teeth. Done, I've done what three podcasts now without you being here. When they keep they've been very efficient and well received. Apparently, no, so what, apologies yeah. in advance for this one. Oh, there we are. We'll be all right. <laughs> um, so if you want to contact the podcast, you can uh, via uh, LinkedIn. Uh, we're having a toy of an idea of creating a LinkedIn group. So if you think that's a good idea, let us know. A group of our own that you can all come and join and share ideas and and, and abuse put, Justin. And, abuse me and Joachim Donkey. Yeah. Um, it's a Cisco Donkey Sanctuary. Yeah, it's a Donkey Sanctuary. <laughs> that's, what that's what we'll call it. LinkedIn Donkey Sanctuary. You can see that I've uh, approached this uh, feedback maturely No, yeah, and you wisely. were proper sulky. <laughs> Can't believe you said that. Uh, 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 uh. Um... What's the other thing I was going to say? Yeah, yeah. You can, can email me at justin.wallin at cisco.com. Uh, two hours one L. You've not said that yet. I know, no. Somebody actually wrote my name wrong the other day and I had to say two hours one L. Anyway, um, are, you, are you heading home to play with your motorhome? No, no, no. No. Oh. Have you not brought your motorhome to kick I, over here I, in the car park? I, I'm going to open up my inner thoughts and 30, as I have looked around the car park already and I have found the 13 amp, uh, the 16 amp socket in the car park downstairs <laughs> I have thought about emailing facilities and going would you mind if I parked my 
Cisco's Mid- looking forward to a substantial drop off in expenses as a result of yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Justin no longer needing hotels. But I'd rather stay there. I'd rather stay in the, in, in in the wagon in the in my motorhome than than stay in a blooming horrible hotel. I don't blame you. It's gonna be also because it's got like a telly. It's got satellite. It's got like four G booster. It's got everything. It's awesome. It's the awesomest van evs. <laughs> on, on that a, note. On that note. <laughs> thank you for listening. <laughs>